Welcome to the Promo Cares Radio Podcast, where we share the stories about the good being done in the promotional products industry. From philanthropic efforts to cause marketing to giving programs, these are the people who are inspiring others to improve the world through promo. To learn more about Promo Cares, visit promocares.org. Now, on with today's show. And welcome to another edition of the Promo Cares Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Petrie. I'm president of Promo Corner, and I'm also one of Roger Burnett's do-gooders when it comes to Promo Cares. And I'm really excited about the podcast we have today. I'm happy to welcome Dina Hirschberg, who's the president of Helping Hand Incentives in Chicago. Um, and as I've done some research and had some interactions with Dina and her team, I think you're really in for a treat as we kind of dig into what Helping Hand Incentives is and the really good work that they do in the Chicagoland area. Uh, now, what Dina doesn't know is I actually am from Chicago. I was born in Chicago, um, and I lived my first uh, eight years in Lombard, Dina. And then I've moved all over the world, and then, uh, not world, but all over the country. <laughs> and then I lived uh, 10 years in um, Naperville before moving to Nashville. Uh, seven, eight years ago. So I'm very familiar with the Chicagoland area. So welcome, Dina, to the Promo Cares podcast. Thank you so much, Bill. We're excited to be here. Chicago is the uh, birthplace of a lot of innovation, and it's a perfect place for us. I want to. I would like to say one thing. Sure. Um, there was an actor or actress who said, I don't care what they call me, just get the name right. Um, we are not Helping Hand Incentives. We're HHP. Uh, Helping Hand Incentives is our formal legal name, but we don't uh, use that in anything. So we're HHP just to get that out there at the top. I'm glad that you did. <laughs> Look, I've been married for 25 years. I am very used to a woman correcting me. Um, it happens probably 85 <laughs> times a day. So no issue there. And thank you for correcting me. So from HHP, thank you. we have Dina Hirschberg. So Dina, um, why don't we frame this up this way? How did HHP begin in You've really built your business from what I understand and, and the research I've done. You've really built your business around social responsibility. So why was, how did HHP begin and why was building it around that social responsibility so critically important to you? So HHP was founded in 2007 by Michael Arcus, who at the time was CEO and president of Hinda Incentives, a $100 million incentive company. And... Um, uh, one of the most philanthropic families in the city. And a mutual friend of ours was uh, running a social enterprise in Chicago at the time, and he was doing volunteer work. And what he noticed was they weren't making a lot of money in sales. And he said, you know, if I could introduce your products to a whole different channel of distribution, I could really help your sales. And he did, and it did. Um, and that really was the catalyst for HHP uh, working with social impact companies in new markets that they've never uh, knew existed, or even if they knew existed, really didn't have the marketing dollars to penetrate. Those mm -hmm. markets are, are very difficult to penetrate. Um, and so for Michael, really one of the most philanthropic families in Chicago, and with being blessed with, with such success, he was motivated tremendously to give back and to utilize his business acumen and his knowledge of these niche markets to help really propel these social impact companies uh, and to increase their, their, um, their sales. No, that's great. 
And I started really part-time initially. I, I have another company with another friend of mine, and I've always been entrepreneurial. And so my, my role initially to help Michael was to be entrepreneurial, to start this company and take, take it off. He had the experience in running a $100 million company. I did not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and so really the first year or so, I was part-time with a couple of hours a week four hours a week, so forth. And then when I realized what the impact of selling one of these products had on the community that created it, that handcrafted it, it just drastically and forever changed my uh, world compass, 180 degrees. And um, it's really become my passion as well. And I believe it's become the passion of everybody who works here. It's wonderful what those kind of accidental collisions can do and, and really kind of turn your life on a dime when you don't even realize it's happening. Correct. You know, you know, we market all of these social impact products to corporations because what we're trying to do is help them align more recently. You know, corporate social responsibility has become so important to companies. They're spending millions of dollars establishing and maintaining their reputations as good corporate citizens. And so for promotional products companies, uh, really gives, uh, for promotional product companies to be able to provide for these corporate um, entities the opportunity to align their supply chain and their procurement choices with their value chain. Yeah is really important and that's what we do we we get that give those promotional products companies that competitive edge absolutely you know you, you have a great tagline and I'm, I'm my my soul and my love is marketing and branding and so I'm, I'm always drawn in by something that I feel is either clever or makes me think or moves me emotionally you have a great tagline our brands make an impression you make a difference right. absolutely absolutely love that i would love to t steal that i would never do that because <laughs> i just told you i would steal it but no i'm not going to steal that i love that what does that mean to both you and your clients well i'll tell you the genesis of that if i might the original uh, logo was was uh, the letter h and the bridge between the two uh, vertical posts of the letter h were mm -hmm. was created by two hands a hand okay. helping another hand and I didn't like that. I thought it was a little bit condescending because it's not about us lifting up people. It's about providing tools that let people lift themselves up. Mm -hmm. So we preserved the letter, the the um, hand uh, metaphor by using uh, a fingerprint. If you notice in our current logo, it's actually mm -hmm. a, a fingerprint. I did notice that. And it's the fa the fingerprint of the father of the founder, Ben Arcus. So oh, that's cool. it really has meaning. And what do fingerprints do? They leave an impression. Mm -hmm. But in the bigger picture, a promotional product is trying to boost a brand. You're trying to leave your your the person the company that's leaving that promotional product with either um, a corporate client or even in recruiting, they're trying to leave a positive impression. So it's literal and metaphorical. And you make the difference. You have choices. You as a promotional products distributor has a choice. Uh, you as a corporate entity has a choice to make uh, procurement choices make match your values. And in this climate, consumers are very value-driven. So why wouldn't you make a choice that makes a difference? No, I, I absolutely love that. I absolutely love that. What a great explanation, too, and the fact that you the, the logo for HHP um, has that fingerprint there, and there's so many ways you can really interpret that, and the, it's really, really incredible. 
you have a social enterprise brand. I think it's called 111 by HHP. Correct. And it, and it aims to lift communities, and you guys actually use a hashtag of lift communities through job creation. Um, as I looked into that, it fascinated me. Tell me how that works. So uh, HHP uh, works to help create business for other social enterprises, which support and expand job opportunities for people with significant barriers to fair wage employment. Mm -hmm. And so when we had the opportunity, we wanted to do that directly through our own social enterprise that would allow us to hire people from underserved and overlooked communities right in our own backyard. Uh, as you know, we have a lot of significant problems and we wanted to be a part of the solution. So what we've done, and we've really gotten notice for our particular point of difference, and we're very proud of it, is mm -hmm. that we're, we're under no illusion. So we, what we do is we partner with CARA, which is a workforce development program in Chicago. It's a premier workforce development program. Um, that's our pipeline for our associates whom we bring on board to make, to manufacture our brand of soaps and candles and other bath and spa products. But we are under no illusion that hiring a low skill, someone to, to, to engage in a low skill set job like making a soap or pouring a candle will lift anyone out of poverty. That's disingenuous and it's, mm -hmm. not, it's not beneficial or helpful to anybody. And there's no reason to pat yourself on the back because you're, you're hiring someone to make soap or pour candles. Right. In, instead, what we do, and we're very conscious about it, is we provide a dignified job at a livable wage. So once someone is brought on full time, that salary is lifted up to $15 an hour. We provide one-on-one -on -one mentoring, essential benefits, which are incredibly meaningful to people who typically at a low skill set job do not get uh, education, professional development. And our incredible point of difference is that we put people on a customized career path. So whether they choose to rise into a leadership leadership position at HHP or beyond, they now have a portable, viable career in the marketplace. And I'll just give you a, a quick story. Yeah, please do. Love stories. I, I'm a big believer. People remember stories more than anything else. So please, absolutely. So, so when we first started this program, we hired someone uh, as just a part-time temp who was filling in for one of our other very valuable associates who was on maternity leave. And she was tentative when she first started, and she started uh, fulfilling orders in our warehouse. But before you knew it, she, and to quote her, she got her mojo back, and she was hired full-time because we immediately saw her, her rock star ability and talent. And after four promotions, she ended up running the program that she came through. And today, she's business director at a company in Chicago, and she reached out to us a few months ago to collaborate on a, on a project with her current company. And that's success. That's an amazing success. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And, and she had serial unemployment. She was even rendered homeless for a while due to a fire. And now she's business director of this company. So that's our what goal. A, what a mate, you know, again. I get goosebumps just listening to that, right? You know, I think that's such a wonderful thing, and, and that type of success story really really speaks to the good work you're doing and actually leads into my next question, which was, you know, how, what kind of impact do you feel the organization has had on the Chicagoland area, and how do you measure it? Obviously, stories like that, boy, that gives you all the feels. It makes you feel, okay, we're doing the right things, but how do you feel that the, the – how do you measure the impact you've had? in the Chicagoland area? Well, for example, 60% of current and former program associates have been promoted at least twice. So that we take them through a three-tiered 
uh, level, they come in as an associate, and because of the mentorship and training, they they raise up to a leadership role and then to a career track. So being promoted twice means that sixty over sixty percent of our associates have moved on to a career track. Uh, Fifty seven are qualified uh, to move up to a career track, mm-hmm. uh, more than in previous years. So the success of our program and growth of our program is substantial in just one year. It moved from 36% to 57%. And, you know, as I said, 100% of our current associates, once they become full-time and move up to that leadership track, we're moving them into a sustainable wage of $15 an hour. 100% felt that they were supported in a nurturing environment that allowed them to take risks without retribution. Um, and 100% who have moved on have moved on to higher paying jobs in higher level jobs. So the preparation that they've gotten here has definitely uh, moved them. And then by sales alone, uh, mm-hmm. because of the training, there's a 225% increase in sales and so forth. Every metric you can think of from the personal to the actual sales has increased. So we're, we're very proud of that. That's that's great. And you guys have been around for, for a little over 10 years. And yes. Yes. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Yes, we have been around for 10 years. It was founded in 2007, but mm-hmm. truthfully, we really haven't been a business until 2014, 2000, okay. the end of 2013, because we weren't able to actually bill and receive funds. Right. Uh, <laughs> that's I, important. I think that's really critical to be considered a business. It uh, is. So we've ju- it's just around five years, and okay. um, you know, and the program itself is only a year or so old. So, and, and that's the leads to my question, which is, you've been really focused on purpose being a core yes. business philosophy since day one. Yes. Why is it so important now, though? I mean, we see a lot of companies really starting to, for lack of a better term, get it. Yeah. Why is it so important now, Dina? So, as you say, we've always been ahead of the trend. For us. While purpose is on trend currently, for us, it will never be out of trend. For us, it's our profession. It's our passion. But it's a um, consumer-driven, this is all consumer-driven. And I'll use me as an example. I remember Mm -hmm. when I went into the grocery store to buy salad dressing. And I, back then, don't judge me, back then I would reach for, I won't even say the brand, I reached for a brand. And then one day I noticed next to that brand was Newman's Own. And Uh I had never seen it before. And I picked it up and I read that 100% of the uh, net uh, profits went to support this camp. And so that little $3.50 purchase made me feel good, made me feel like I actually was doing something. And, and so more and more and more over time, consumers, other consumers, I'm not special, I'm just average, other consumers started noticing that they could have this power and then soon demanded that the companies they chose to buy from embrace corporate social responsibility as a core value. And so what has happened recently in the last couple of years is that corporations are spending millions of dollars on establishing and maintaining their reputations as good corporate citizens. And they're, they're positioning themselves this way to their employees, to their consumers and also, you know, consumer customers, and also increasingly to their investors. And if mm-hmm. they are positioning themselves like this to their employees, which basically are two generational cohorts, millennials, you know, up to that high end of 37, 38 right. year old, and that, you know, dewy, fresh faced, recent college grad like my daughter at 21 from Gen Z, um, 
these are the two generational cohorts for whom companies that embrace corporate social responsibility and walk it like they talk it are going to recruit top talent, they're going to engage and motivate that top talent, and also they're going to retain that top talent. They're going to boost their brands and customer loyalty with their consumers and customers, and obviously from investors they'll get investments. So from a business standpoint, they realize that it helps their bottom line. And they're also spending boku bucks on C-suite level employees. Oh, sure. Executives task solely with with making sure that this uh, CSR initiatives, philanthropic activities, and so forth are are in, are engaged and meted out. So now more than ever, you're you know in the in the world of promotional products, they're being asked specifically for uh, products with purpose. And even if they're not, and this is what I'm saying, even if they're not promotional products distributors now armed with this knowledge that corporations are trying to be more socially responsible, they have an opportunity to have them align their supply chain with their value chain in a new and innovative way that maybe they hadn't thought about. Yeah, and I think you're 100% right. You know, I don't, you know, th- business fads come and go, as yeah. we both know. Right. I, I don't think purpose is one of them. I think, you know, people are generally pretty smart and they have a good BS detector when it feels like people are just jumping on a bandwagon or if they're really looking to shift their business and include purpose as part of it. Um, I have 16-year-old twin redheaded boys, and they are very focused on aligning themselves with brands and organizations that do have a purpose, uh, a social purpose attached to it. It's not just about who's got the coolest uh, sneakers or shirts or brand. It's also what do they stand for. One of my favorite books, by one of my favorite marketers, Roy Spence. Roy Spence from Texas, and he came up with the Don't Mess With Texas <laughs> campaign, uh, which is just ubiquitous. Everybody knows what that is, and obviously growing up very close to me. He also was uh, the uh, advertising agency of record for Southwest Airlines for 28 years, and he came up with uh, You're Now Free to Move About the Country, so a very creative <laughs> mind. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote a book, and, and it's, I would recommend anybody read it, and, and you may have read it yourself, but it's, it's titled It's Not What You Sell, it's what you stand for. Yes. And I absolutely love that. And as I was listening to you, and I have this, I don't know if it's a good habit or bad habit, whenever I do these podcasts, I always close my eyes because it makes me really focus on what the person is saying. And as I was listening to you, that's what I kept thinking about. It's not what you sell, it's what you stand for. And I think that uh, what you've built there is truly, truly incredible. You know, it's funny, people, uh, you know, when I talk about selling, for me and what I encourage people here, we not to sell but to tell a story and to tell the story of, you know, each one of our products carries a cause and it's really the cause and the impact that matters. You know, anybody has the opportunity to buy something that's, you know, made irresponsibly, maybe by a child, maybe in a bad, unsafe environment, or you can focus on something that's good for the environment, that it makes people feel good uh, about selling it, really, right? right. I've, I've talked to promotional product distributors who don't feel good when they're selling something made in China that breaks down in a, in a couple of days, but feel good about selling our things uh, because it tells a good story and we walk it like we talk it. And, right. um, uh, and that's really what it's about. Yeah, that's great. I have one final question for you. So sure. you're very focused. And again, I thank you so much for being on the podcast. You're very focused on doing social good and the response, social responsibility externally. How does that resonate with your internal associates? I have to believe that it does, but I'd love to hear from your perspective. How does that um, feed that hunger to do good 
internally with your associates? You know, it's funny. I we just had a meet. We have a meeting every morning uh, just to touch base and get everybody on the same page. And we we come together as a community, literally and figuratively, at the table outside. Um, mm-hmm. We we have a very we we care about each other. You can't care about the world if you don't care about each other too, mm-hmm. um, because then you're not authentic. I feel. Right. Um, you know, yesterday we had yoga. We do we bring we do yoga in house uh, so that people can de-stress. So that it's a great way to come together as a community. We have community lunches where we actually get um, we partner with a uh, urban farm social enterprise in Englewood, which is you may remember is not mm-hmm. um, a, um, it's a challenging neighborhood in the city. It is, um, and we bring in their fresh vegetables. They they grow amazing vegetables and uh, um, um, not fruit I'll say vegetables because that's what they grow <laughs> okay and and we make t- a salad and we we come together as a community and so that sense of community is really fostered on purpose so that they feel a commitment to that outer community as well that's that's wonderful it really what an inspiring uh, organization you truly lead there and, and if our, our listeners want to go learn a little bit more um, what is your website so they can go check it out? HHPLift.com. That's Lift, L-I-F, like Frank T. Our new site will be launching on Friday. So you oh. might, might want to wait till Friday. <laughs> but, All right. Um, but, and if you're in the Chicago area, please stop by, take a look at our wonderful space, come to our workshop, meet our associates. You, could, you We might even put you to work to make your own soap. Um, I love that. Yeah. Well, Dina, I can't thank you enough for taking the time uh, to be on the Promo Cares podcast. This has been a long time coming. I know we've had busy schedules, so I'm finally glad we've been able to do it. So really thank you. Bill, thank you. I really appreciate you and Roger and Danny and everybody that has really brought uh, purpose to the promotional products world in a bigger way than we have and we could. So we're so happy to be a part of it. Well, we appreciate you. And if any of the listeners, if you want to learn more about Promo Cares and the movement we're trying to create, go ahead and please visit us at promocares.org. You can learn all about it and how to get involved yourself. So on behalf of Dina Hirschberg, who's president of HHP, I'm Bill Petrie. And thank you again for listening to the Promo Cares podcast.